Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Good morning, Sister Ruby. Welcome back from college. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse number 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none <clears throat> render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This morning I'd like to take a few moments and concentrate on verse number 18, and everything give thanks. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we've gathered here this morning, we are seeking to hear from you, Lord. This morning our prayer is that you teach us from your word, that you pour out the Spirit upon us and give us understanding, Lord, that our hearts leave here challenged to be joyful Christians, as this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us, that we are thankful, joyful Christians. Lord, I praise you and magnify you for all that you've done in my life. I pray that you'll give us wisdom this morning as we work through your text. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanksgiving is one of the days throughout the entire year where the entire United States is called to a moment of thanks, to a moment of thanksgiving. We all have our traditions that we do where we gather around the table. Some offer up their own personal thanksgiving that's happened throughout the year, and some offer thanks for the food. And whatever your tradition is, this is the tradition. But the point of the text here is that this is a day and a year in which the United States calls people to be thankful, and yet, all the joy, all the excitement that we experience on this one day, the Word of God calls us to have this same joy and excitement every day as believers. This is what we've called to be in everything. Paul says, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's God's will for us to be joyful and thankful. You know, when I was already talking about this this morning to the brothers next door, in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 7, when God had come to the children of Israel and they had found themselves in a place of ungratefulness, the Lord offers them a remedy for their ingratitude. He offers them a remedy for their lack of thankfulness, for their lack of trust. He says, return unto me. I propose to you this morning 
that Paul says in everything, give thanks because this is God's will concerning us. And if this is God's will concerning us that we should be thankful in everything, then the conclusion is, is that if we live in a state of lack of thanksgiving, if we live in a state of ingratitude, it only equals one thing that we have wondered from the Lord. The call, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, and everything give thanks is also to say, if you're not thankful, it's time to return. Everything that this verse offers for us is in this word in. It is the emphasis of the verse. Yes, it is to say, give thanks. Yes, it is to say God's will. And we can handle those things in some sense. We, no matter what throughout the year, find ourselves thankful for what God has done in our lives. We understand even to confess that it is God's will for us to be thankful. That's not a problem at all. But the struggle is in those two, three verse, first three verse words. In everything, give thanks. In everything. Well, that's the struggle. That in everything we find ourselves great, ungrateful, not rejoicing, not giving thanks to God. Well, I have news for you this morning. That you're not the first believer to ever arrive there. If you found yourself in a place where you're not thankful daily. You're not the first person to arrive there if that in everything you're not giving thanks. Matter of fact, I think that the reason that Paul is moved by the Spirit, if you take in context all of 1 Thessalonians, is that we have a bunch of believers in Thessalonica who have found themselves in such a place of despair that they stopped offering up thanks unto God. Understanding this City here, this port city that was by the Aegean Sea in modern day Greece was a city committed to pagan worship. It was a city committed to idolatry. But around 50 AD, in the city that had this massive pantheon that was committed to Roman deities, in this city around 50 AD, something happened here. It was life-changing. It wasn't a mighty earthquake, but yet it had more than the power of an earthquake. It wasn't that a war broke out and uh, the blood of many was shed, but it was that Paul arrived here preaching the gospel, telling them about the blood of one who was shed for many. It changed the Thessalonica. It changed the Thessalonians. They were moved. Their hearts were pricked. And the Lord began to work. You know, it's hard to meet people who are more thankful than new believers. When you meet someone who's new in Christ, who the Lord has just saved, the smile on their face, the fervor in their heart, the joy in their speech, they are just literally, they remind you of a kid running through a hallway with a full bucket of water. It spills everywhere about how excited they are about what the Lord has done for them. Thessalonians, they were like there too. This is exactly how they were. Overwhelmed with joy that the Lord had done this mighty work in their life. But guess what happened? 
By the time you make it to chapter 3 and chapter 4, Paul is answering questions for them that has now brought them to a place where they were grieved. This great salvation that we're so excited about, they were excited about. And as they were telling others, they began to experience persecution. This gospel began to bring hurt in their lives. People they loved were dying. People that they care about were being tortured. To the point in chapter 4, he would comfort them to let them know that don't worry about those who are gone. Don't sorrow as others who have no hope. They have not missed the Lord's return. They have not died in vain. They were dead. They were martyred. But there's a glorious resurrection. And at the end of chapter 4, he tells them, wherefore comfort one another with these words. They was in desperate need of comfort. They was in desperate need of refreshing about those who were dying around them in the faith. But Paul goes on to tell these discouraged believers who were in despair about the loss of their loved ones. Not only do you got to get to a place where you realize it's not too late for them, but because of the lack of understanding of what is yet to come for those believers, you have found yourself through persecution, through discouragement, in a place where you have stopped offering up thanksgiving unto God. It is the very essence of Christian faith that we give thanks. We are to be thankful people. A Christian has a new life and a new soul that continues to cry out in gratitude to God. We have been equipped and prepared to face any battle in life and everything that we experience in this life, we understand that it's covered under the cloak of Romans 8.28, that it's all going to work out for our good. We don't like surgery, but we like the results of surgery when it brings back in our lives the ability to do something we have once lost the ability to do. We're thankful that God is working in our lives to produce a good outcome, even when we can't understand what it is. You would think that with all of the Things that are offered to us in this life. We live in a generation that possesses more than any other generation. We live in a generation that has more than any other generation. And we also live in a generation that has more suicide, addiction, and problems than any other generation. What is wrong with America today that we have lost Thanksgiving? What is it amongst believers that we have lost thanksgiving? How is it that we can find ourselves in a state of unthankfulness to God for all that he's done for us this morning? I have a dog at home named Callie. When we first got this dog, I was so excited to bring this surprise home to the family. I was in love with this dog when we got it. And that's a lot because I don't like animals. But I was in love with this dog. And I brought the dog home. It was great. I bought the dog. I brought the dog into my family. It was a surprise for my entire family. But after a while of having this dog in my house, 
It was warm because I was paying the heat bill. I was feeding her. I bought the plate she was eating off of, put the water in the bowl, put the dog food in the bowl. I took care of this dog because I love this dog. But not too long down the road, one day I was given the dog food and it growled at me. Now, we're not going to get into it, but just to say that that don't work in my house. But this dog who I would get up in the middle of the night and let it outside. When it was thirsty, I gave it water. It was hungry, I fed it. Had got so comfortable in my house when I'm the one taking care of it that it would begin to growl at me. And this is what an unsatisfied, unthankful Christian is like with God. He's the one that clothed you. He's the one that fed you. When you was in need, he is the one that supplied your every need. He is the reason that you could even be satisfied today. And yet when we walk through this life without offering praise unto God, we lack the will of God in our life because we lack a state of thanksgiving. We're like this foolish dog that growls at the one who's supplying to us. He expects us to give thanks and to have attitudes of gratitude. He says, in everything, give thanks. It means, this word in means to remain within something. It means to find rest in something. In means to find continuance in something. If you was to take the other usage of this word in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, when the Lord told the disciples, he said, I send you out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. This is going to be the disciples position as they went out in the world. They would be surrounded. It gives us the idea that we position ourselves in the middle of something that's around us in this end that is we're in that where it's positioned around us is everything we give thanks in everything. Now, he does not say here for everything we give thanks. That's not what he says. He doesn't say for most of things we give thanks. He doesn't say for the things that you like, give thanks. He doesn't say when you get time off, give thanks. He doesn't say when you get vacations, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Thanks. We should remain in a state of thanksgiving. The believer is the one who doesn't need the month of November to offer thanks. We offer it every day. We do not need a big meal on Thursday to stop and give thanks. In everything, give thanks. When someone lies on you, give thanks. When you're betrayed by your friend, give thanks. When you hit rock bottom, give thanks. When you find yourself unemployed, give thanks. When you're mistreated, give thanks. We ought to always be in the state of thanksgiving. You may say, Pastor, can you tone it down a little bit? Are you really bringing me to a place where you're saying, when I'm mistreated even by the world, I should be offering up thanksgiving to God for this mistreatment. If you believe Romans 8.28 is true, 
If you believe that God is using the world to bring you to a place of a deeper understanding with him, remember what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23 and verse 24. The best example about handling the world's mistreatment is to take advice from the Lord himself. Paul says, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the Lord's final hours, his body, which was rebroken for us, he gave thanks for. We can't always give thanks for everything, but we can always give thanks in everything. He takes the midst of these believers from a state of what needs to be done to what is being done. That's really what you see in verses 12 through 22. Paul is attempting to recalibrate the mind of these believers. You found yourself in a state of where you're lacking thanksgiving. So Paul is trying to bring them to a place where if they will just do these things, they will end up at a place where they're rejoicing every more, where they're praying without ceasing, where they're in everything giving thanks, where they're, just, where they're not quenching the spirit. This is what you need to do. He, he takes them back to verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Paul brings them to this in preparation after he says, comfort one another with the words that it's not over. Now we need to be recalibrated to what? He says, recalibrate your mind to understand that you have given up, but know those who are laboring among you. People are still working. Know them. Rejoice for them. Praise God for them. You know, I, I'm afraid that sometimes we have become discouraged with church numbers, with church moving forward, with new members that we find ourselves in such a, a discouragement about what we want to happen that we don't praise God for what is happening. That we're not offering thanks to God for those who are laboring. That we forget that the reality that we come into this building and it's clean. That somebody was here working for the Lord. That the lot's clean and somebody's working for the Lord. And the walls are painted and the lights are fixed and, and the buildings work. Somebody is laboring for the Lord. And if we lose this reality that we are so focused about what programs we don't have, about why we want more youth, and about why this, and about why that, and why we're not like them, and why their ministry is successful, and ours is not. We'll stop thanking God for where we are. So he says, know them that are laboring among you. Hey, guys, recognize. Comfort yourselves with the words that it's not over, and get back to work. If you would just know the people who are working, you might just be inspired to work. This building don't clean itself. I praise God that people are still actively inviting people to church. I thank God these kids are gone from here. They're in another room. They didn't go next door to play checkers. They didn't go next door to 
And so to say cut paper machines for fun, they went next door because teachers have prayed and poured themselves in the word of God as they labored for God to teach these kids about the word of God. I thank God for people who are laboring here. My prayer is, and all of our prayer is, is that we should never let the programs and the numbers of other churches discourage us to a place where we stop offering thanks unto God about what he's doing here. In everything, give thanks. We have to get our mind off what is not happening and to get our mind on what is happening and give thanks. Verse 14, he offers another way to be thankful. That is to live a life that is focused on others. Really, that's what you could summarize about 12 through 15. If you'll just live a life of servitude, you will be rejoicing, you'll be praying, and you will be giving thanks. He said, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. You say, how does this bring you to a place of thanksgiving? Warning those who are unruly? Warning, warning those who are misbehaving? You know, I can honestly say that one of the things that happens on Tuesday nights after we go out and we're soul winning and preaching the gospel, I don't go home like a Pharisee and say, Lord, thank you for not making me as this other man. I go home and say like Paul did in Corinthians, and such were some of you. And well, this is once what I once was. I was one once bound in sin. I was once one chained to that life. I was the one once involved in drugs. That was my life. Such was some as I. So how does this bring me to a place of thanksgiving? Because when I see people still bound in sin, not in a self-righteous way, I go home and thank God for my deliverance. I enter into a state of thanksgiving because I not only understand their condition and what has bound them, but I am reminded by the one who delivered me from that life. These who are unruly. And when we see people who are in the faith who have wandered astray, when we see people who are proclaiming the name of Christ, and yet we're, we're warning them not to continue on that path, how does that bring you to a state of thanksgiving? Because I too confess that others have came and retrieved me when I have wandered astray in my own spiritual life. I thank God even in this thing, this act of warning people, not because they've gone astray, not because they're unruly, so to say, but I thank God for giving me a message to bring them back to home. I thank God that he had once done it in my life. My heart hurts as I seek to warn them. I fall into this state of thanksgiving. I'm praising God that I'm no longer there. He goes on to say about this life that promotes a life of thanksgiving. He said, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. If you spend your time thinking about those who can't do what you are doing, if you spend your time helping those who can't do what you can do, you will find yourself in a place of thanksgiving. It's just true. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to help them. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this opportunity to meet their need. You're not thanking them for their condition. 
You're thanking for that you can meet their need. I'm always thankful to help when I can, where I can. This is just the, the opportunity of offering thanks unto God. Being a servant to others sometimes will help you find out where to offer up thanksgiving. Several years ago, we did those Christmas bags to the homeless. My heart hurt about the condition of these people. It was not some chose to be in this life, but others could not help it. And I offered up thanks to God that the Witten Place Baptist Church could help them. It brought me to a state of thanksgiving. He says, be patient to all men. Be patient toward all men. You know, this is one thing that we lack even in our own spiritual lives, being patient towards one another, being long-suffering. But yet, if we would just, when we find ourselves at a crossroad where our patience is being tried, how does this bring you to a state of thanksgiving? Because as much as this person or this situation is pushing your patience, it brings you to the reality that you should be offering up thanks to God because you and you alone know the condition of your own heart and you can truly testify about how patient God has really been with you. So he says, be a servant. Stop thinking about yourselves. Stop worrying about what's lost. Get back to work. Start serving others. Be patient. Be helpful. Be serving others. You cannot give thanks when you are wrong, so to say, if you are thinking about yourself. You cannot give thanks until Christ has entered as the center focus of your life. That's what makes this verse all the more powerful. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, when we leave this place where, where we are in a state of thanksgiving, if it's God's will for those who are in Christ to be in a state of thanksgiving, when we leave the state of thanksgiving, it means we have arrived at a place of opposition to God. It means we have arrived where the world is. Is that not what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 21? Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and foolish heart was darkened. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Yet we stand here and testify that we know him as God, and we testify that he is the supplier of all of our needs. But when we glorify him not as God and as the supplier of our needs, it is simply to say that we have entered into a pagan thought process about who God is. This is a dangerous place to be. It is, ingratitude is one of the features of pagan depravity. To not be thankful to God, that's how the world behaves. That's how the world believes. That is the state of our hearts. Even more, he says, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but, ne but ever follow that which is a good, both among yourselves and to all men. How does this help us 
enter into a state of thanksgiving? How can we get to this place where we're rejoicing evermore? How do we get to this place where we're praying without ceasing? How do we get to this place where we're saying in everything, give thanks? Well, I can tell you, Paul says it right here. See that you render not none, uh, see that none render evil for evil unto any man. If you're figuring out how to get right with the enemy, you're not thinking about the Lord. If you're thinking about how to avenge how you was wronged, you're, you're not thinking about the Lord. If you're caring about justifying yourself, you're not thinking about making that one day God is going to make this right on your behalf. Matter of fact, if you try to correct all the problems in this life yourself, you are basically saying that God who has already promised this is not truly going to correct all the problems. God does not need our help. But when we will leave the place of trying to be vengeful, when we leave the place of, of trying to concern ourselves with our woes and start seeing the woes of others and see how we can be a servant, and when we leave our own woes and we start admonishing others and esteeming others and exhorting others and warning others about the reality that we need to draw nigh to Christ, comforting the feeble, helping the weak, when we get to this place and we're not trying to avenge our own name, we will naturally enter to a place of thanksgiving unto God. This is why I said in the beginning here about Malachi chapter 7. He told the children, return to me. Return. Come back. Come back to me. If you woke up this morning and not offering praise unto God for the breath you have. He said, everything that hath breath should praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath give thanks. Psalms chapter 150 and verse 6. That's what he said. If we have entered into this day not offering up thanksgiving to God, realizing by not offering, not offering thanksgiving unto God, you're closer to Romans 121 a pagan view of God, then recognizing who is your God. Israel did this. The Thessalonians did this. And we also do this. And it's usually the same ingredients, the same recipe that leads us there. We get so caught up on our own sorrows, on our own desires, on our own griefs, on things that we think that we need in our life. To serve the Lord. I mean, how many of this, how many times have you heard somebody say out on soul winning, well, I used to serve the Lord until he took my mama. I used to serve the Lord until my, until my daddy died. When he took my daddy, I stopped serving him. What is this foolish conditions that we put upon the Lord? He said, in everything, give thanks. In everything. We ought to give thanks. And when we leave a state of thanksgiving, God gives the call that he gave to his children in Malachi. Return to me. That's what's happened. You've left me. You left my promises. It's all going to work out. It's all for our good, Romans 8, 28. It, it's a bad time. It's a terrible part. But it's, it's the promises that it's going to work out for your benefit. Not for, not for, so to say, someone else's benefit. This is great. This is the great thing of all time. 
right? You see this whole disaster that just happened. I seen on the news the other day with this FTX company. This kid Ponzi schemed $22 billion for people. $22 billion. What a disaster. He made it rich and everybody else made it broke. A tragedy in their life. You see, but the promise here is that tragedies in our life work out for our benefit. That's the difference. That's what the Lord says, that it's all going to work together. So when we leave here this morning, when we walk out of this building today, we should find ourselves in a state of thanksgiving in everything. We should give thanks. In every situation, we're going to give thanks. Even if it's an unfortunate thing, we're going to give thanks. Because we understand that it is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. That we're going to give thanks and this is us drawing closer to him. If you found yourself in a place where you've not given thanks unto God, well, the word of the Lord says, return to me. Return to a place where you recognize who he is in your life. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly father, we give thanks to you for your mercy, for your grace, and for your love that you've bestowed upon us. And we were so undeserving. And yet we still are. And yet in your love, while we sometimes are ungrateful before you for all that you've given us, Lord, while we seem to be nasty towards you, while you're still pouring out your love upon us, we thank you for your mercy, Lord. We thank you for your patience with us. God, I pray that we all leave here reminded today why we have what we have is all because of you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for what you've done in all of our lives. Thank you for the Winton Place Baptist Church, who you've allowed us to be a part of. Thank you for your preservation of your word to preach and to encourage one another. Thank you for the love that you've put inside saints to encourage one another. Lord, thank you for the desires we have to see your word to continue to go forth. May we not be discouraged in ministry, but in all things, give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.